Welcome to the podcast of Oak Grove Baptist Church. Today's message features our pastor, Jonathan Powell, and is the second message in the six-part series, Choosing Love. It is entitled, Love Encourages and Draws from the Book of Acts. This message was recorded on Sunday, May 3, 2015, and was part of a baptism service at Oak Grove. Remember, you can visit our website at www.oakgrovebaptistchurchtn.com for sermon handouts and notes. Now here is Pastor Jonathan. Well, I'm glad to see everybody out this morning. We come to celebrate baptism. I tell you, baptism and the Lord's Supper are the two times we're most obviously acting out our Lord's commands and we're doing so in the most beautiful way. Next praying with someone as they accept Christ. This is one of the most satisfying events for a pastor. Be able to baptize someone into the faith. It also symbolizes wonderfully our key verse for this series found in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 12. I want you to read this out loud with me. John, chapter 15, verse 12 says this This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. A baptism represents the amazing love that Christ showed to us with his life, his death, his burial and his resurrection. It also charges the church to show that love to our new brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the most important ways we can show that love to each other is through the acts of encouragement. Now, Roman throughout the fact of the book of Acts is a quiet yet penetrating man who few Christians can even name. He was called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. And if ever anyone lived up to their name, he would be it. He was a minister of encouragement. Now his name might not be as well known as Peter, Paul, or Silas, but the work that he did was just as important. The work that he did in encouraging the work of the church and encouraging the men of the church was equally as vital as the work that these other men that are so well known did. My hope is that as we look very briefly through the book of Acts this morning, that we realize that we all need encouragement, that we can all give encouragement, and that today we're baptizing into a faith and a fellowship of encouragement. Let's pick the story up in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse, 30, uh, verse 26, excuse me, 36. Verse 36 in Acts chapter 4. It says this, Joseph, a Levite and a Cypriot by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, encouragement can take on many forms. Webster's Dictionary defines encouragement as the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope, persuading someone to continue doing something, or trying to stimulate someone's development. These are all different ways that we can show encouragement to one another, and all very important ways that we need encouragement as well. Now, it's easy for us to let the world get us down. It's easy for us in the day-in, day-out struggles of pain fields, working jobs, dealing with relationships, for us to get discouraged and depressed. God knew that, and so he doesn't leave us on our own. First and foremost, he gives us himself, the peace of Christ. He gives us the comfort of his Holy Spirit, and then he gives us the fellowship of one another. We look back at the Bible, and we tend to forget that all these apostles that we read about, all these people we read about in the early church, were really and truly human beings. These were people who had to deal with the same human stuff that you and I have to deal with. But not only that, they had the awesome responsibility of being the first generation of Christians in a hostile world. These were people in need of encouragement. But God already knew what they needed. 
and he worked into their midst a man named Barnabas. And Barnabas encouraged the young church in many ways. If you stop to put yourself into the place of the early church, you can begin to understand how we need that same encouragement today. And the first thing I want you to realize is that sometimes we need someone to give. In Acts 4, the early church was struggling. The leaders of the temple, the priests, the religious gatekeepers, if you will, were telling the apostles, you've got to stop preaching in Jesus' name. You've got to stop going out here and telling people to be saved. You've got to stop this whole baptism thing. All this stuff has got to stop. And in the midst of that chapter, where the, where the uh, temple leaders were telling the apostles to stop doing this, here comes Barnabas, and what does he do? He goes, and he sells his field, and he takes the money, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. He lays it at the apostles' feet. That simple act of giving was an encouragement to the early church. And I can just kind of picture in my mind, there's Peter, and there's James, and there's John, and they're all standing there, and here comes Barnabas, and he says, I went out and sold my field today, and here is the money I got from that. I'm going to lay it right here for the church for y'all to use. After they had just come out from being told by the religious leaders, don't you go tell anybody about Jesus. And here comes Barnabas saying, hey, use this to keep telling people about Jesus. Can you imagine what active encouragement that was to the early church to have somebody give like that? That is sometimes what we need as well. Sometimes we need somebody to actually give us something. Money, food, shelter, something that we need. Sometimes we need somebody to give us a little bit of themselves. To give us a little bit of themselves and pour into our life a little bit so that way we can continue on and make it through the tough times that we are going through. But we all need someone to give. And then sometimes we need someone just to give us a chance. Or maybe two. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 26. It says, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to associate with the disciples. This is talking about the Apostle Paul here. He tried to associate with the disciples. But they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, we all know the apostle Paul. People who have never been to church know the apostle Paul. But few people realize the apostle Paul never would have been who he was if a man named Barnabas had come and taken him by the hand and trusted him and given him a chance. Now think about that for a moment. We all know Paul, but Barnabas was the one that encouraged him. Barnabas was the one that came and gave him a chance. And so many times in our life, we need someone to come and give us a chance as well. I would probably say that most of the adults here, not all, but probably most adults here, have had those times where we needed to find a job. And we're simply saying, God, just please, Somebody take a chance on me. I can do it if somebody will just hire me. Let me get in there and show them that I can work and do the job. And somebody gave us that chance. That's encouraging, isn't it? How about the life of the church? There are times that sitting there going, God, I know that I'm supposed to do something in the church. There's something that you're calling me to do. I just need somebody to give me a chance. And the church has said, hey, I've got an opportunity for you. Why don't you come along here and do this? Teach this class. Lead this group. We all need to be given a chance. Barnabas took a big chance. Here was Paul, who had been persecuting and locking up Christians, had been dragging Christians to Jerusalem to stand trial, and here all of a sudden he has been saved, and he has accepted Christ, and he comes before the disciples, and they're all like, uh-uh, not you. We're not going to trust in you. We're not going to let you in here. We don't believe you're really a disciple. We don't believe you've really been saved. 
Has it ever tempted to do that? See, somebody who has come to Christ and has accepted Christ, you sit there and say, I know your past. I know who you were. Why in the world should I let you into our fellowship? Why should I give you a chance? And Barnabas looked at Paul and said, I trust in Christ. Christ has given this man a chance and a new life. And because I trust in Christ, I'm going to give this man a chance. That's something for us to keep in mind, church. That's something for us to remember. Because if Jesus Christ makes someone new, it's not our job to bring up their past. If someone has been born again and made a new creation through the blood and the power of Jesus Christ, it's not our job to say, but I remember what you were. It is our job to tell them, I know who you are now. You are a son of the king. You are a child of God. And you have been saved and made into a new creation. That's what we are to remind each other of who we are today. We are new in Jesus Christ. And that's not all. Later on in Acts 15, Barnabas and Paul they got a little bit of a dispute about a young man named John Mark. They take him out of the mission field. And John Mark got discouraged. And he failed. He said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to quit. And he left. And the second mission trip came up. And he said, okay, this time I've learned. I, really, I want to do it. I've learned from my mistakes. And Paul was like, oh, I gave you a chance. And Barnabas says, no, I'm going to take him under my wing. We'll go out over this way. We'll go this way. And I'll shepherd him. And I will help him. So Barnabas gave John Mark a second chance. Because sometimes, folks, we mess up on that first chance, don't we? If we didn't, if we were perfect and could make it on just that one chance, we wouldn't need grace. How many people here this morning don't need grace? Good Lord, I can't make it to a morning without grace. I can't make it from my bed to my first cup of coffee without grace. We all need grace. We all need that second chance. That's one way that we need encouragement. And then look at Acts chapter 11, again, verse 21. It says, the Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. This is the church at Antioch, verse 22. Then the report about them was heard by the church that was at Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with a firm resolve of heart. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Oh, let's stop right there for a second. Oh, Heavenly Father God, let that be what's written about me someday. Oh my goodness, did you imagine? Did you imagine having that description applied to your life and written down for all eternity? That you are a good person, you are someone of the faith, you are full of the Holy Spirit? There is nothing better than that, folks. Thinking back up verse 24, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met at the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. You see, sometimes, folks, we need someone to teach us. And here's this perfect biblical illustration of what we're talking about when we say teach. Because Barnabas came to Antioch, and he saw everything that was going on, and he could have just simply said, hey, good job, guys, keep it up, I'm going back to Jerusalem. But that's not what he did. The two things here that were vitally important for us to get. Vitally important church who kind of baptized these men. This is what we have to understand. First off, he went back and he got Saul, he got Paul. That man he had taken a chance on. That man that he had brought led by the hand before the apostles. And he said, hey, here's that opportunity. This is what God's been calling you to do. You've been called to preach to the Gentiles. I've got Gentiles for you right here. Come here with me. Let me help you and shepherd you and give you this opportunity. That's teaching and discipling, number one. And then number two, they went back to Antioch. They didn't leave the church of Antioch on their own. And Barnabas came there. Not only was he discipling Saul, Paul, and telling him how to be able to lead the church, but he was also pouring himself into the church of Antioch, and he was helping to lead them. 
Let me make this point perfectly clear. After we baptize someone in this baptistry, after we lift them up out of the water, church, our job is not done. It is just beginning. It is just beginning. We need to be like Barnabas and to come alongside and to teach them because we all need to be taught. Every single one of us. Those are important acts of encouragement. And you see, we can all give encouragement. Folks, we don't think the church is about encouragement. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you're already doing. Encourage one another. Not just encourage the person over here. Encourage someone over here. Encourage everybody. Everybody in the church needs encouragement. Everybody in the church is called to give encouragement. And you don't have to take a class. You don't have to be certified. You don't have to have a degree. We are all able to give encouragement to people who are in need of being encouraged. But there are a few things you have to understand in order to do it. For one thing, you have to be willing to give of yourself. You have to be willing to give of yourself. Encouragement means coming alongside to impart courage. In a sense, encouragement is one person giving strength and support to another by osmosis. Think of it this way. Have you ever had to have your car jumped off? Bad go get on What happens? Somebody had to come alongside of you, take jumper cables, put them on their full battery, put them up to your weak battery, and give you a jump. That's what happens when we encourage one another. We're coming along somebody, and we're kind of giving them a little bit of our strength. We're kind of giving them a little bit of our energy, a little bit of our enthusiasm, and saying, hey, you're going to be okay. You can do this, and I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to encourage you to do this. And we're giving them a jump start. That's encouragement. We have to give them ourselves. And then we also have to be willing to offer restoration. Offer restoration. What do I mean by that? Well, look back at Paul and how Barnabas brought him before the church. Look at John Mark and how Barnabas said, I'm going to give this guy a chance. And I'm going to let him come with me on this missionary trip. We sometimes have to be willing to set aside our pride and our hurt feelings and give somebody a second chance and encourage them and restore them to the faith. And then the easiest thing to think that no Sunday should ever go past that happen. You must be willing to share uplifting words. Uplifting words. You see, here's a reason for this. Proverbs 25 11 tells us a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples on a silver tray. It is a treasure, folks. It is a treasure. How many times has somebody come up to you right when you need it and told you exactly the right thing and just uplifted your heart? How many times somebody come up to you right when you didn't need it and told you the exact wrong thing and smushed your heart? That's the difference between uplifting words and words that downtrod some. Proverbs 16.24 tells us, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste, and healthy to the body. Folks, we all get discouraged. We all have tough days. Just because we've been saved and baptized means the troubles in the world stop. But it means we don't go through those troubles on our own. We have the gift of God's peace, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the encouragement of the fellowship. We are called to encourage one another as we walk with Christ. Because you see, we do have a fellowship of encouragement. There's another aspect of encouragement that I want to make clear this morning. Hebrews 3.12 kind of puts this in perspective for us. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Watch out, brother, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. Verse 13. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For you have become companions of the Messiah, if you hold firmly until the end, the reality 
that we had at the start. Encouragement, Christian encouragement, isn't just simply something that we do to make other people feel good. That's a side effect of it. It's a side effect. That's not the purpose. That's not the goal. True Christian encouragement is so that we will not be deceived by sin. And so that we will stay true to the faith. It is so that we will keep our eyes on God and who He is. And realize that God is bigger than the troubles that we face down here. That is the true reason behind Christian encouragement. That is why as a community of faith, we have to encourage one another. Christian encouragement is more than just making each other feel good. It is about keeping us faithful to Him, to God. That is what we are going to be charged with today, church, in this baptism service, to encourage and to help keep these men faithful to God. That is why we have a fellowship of church. Acts 2, 41 and 42. Talk about one of the greatest baptisms in the New Testament. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Did you imagine that? Did you imagine a baptism service of 3,000? Oh, I'd love to see that. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers, to the fellowship. You see, they weren't just baptized by themselves. They were baptized into a fellowship of like-minded believers who could help them, encourage them, teach them, give to them as they need them, guide them along their path. See, baptism is a public confession of faith. It symbolizes our death, burial, and resurrection into a new creation in Christ Jesus. But baptism is also a covenant between the individual and the church. For the individual to be an active member of the fellowship, and for the church to be actively discipling the individual. We were never meant to go through the Christian life alone, but to walk with each other, encourage one another, and above all, to love one another. That is why we are called for encourage. You see, folks, the blessings that we have in Christ do not stop at the baptistry. They start there. And the blessings that we are given and everything that is poured into us by the Holy Spirit is not poured into us for us to keep it to ourselves, but for us to take it out there and share it with others so that we can be a blessing to others. We don't just get baptized and are saved and baptized so that we can sit there and say, I'm saved and baptized. We're saved and baptized so we can go out there and tell others about Christ and help others become saved and baptized. That's how the church grows. That's how God builds his church. And that is what begins with that simple act of obedience in that. This is Pastor Jonathan. I think all of us can agree that we live in a broken world. We see this brokenness in suffering, violence, poverty, pain, and even death all around us. In contrast to this brokenness, we also see beauty, purpose, and evidence of design. The Bible tells us God originally planned a world that worked perfectly. God made each of us with a purpose. Life does not work when we ignore God and His original design for our lives. Yet we selfishly insist on doing things our own way. The Bible calls this sin. We all sin and distort this original design. The consequence of our sin is separation from God in this life and for all of eternity. Sin leads to a place of brokenness. We see this all around us and in our own lives as well. When we realize life is not working, we begin to look for a way out. We try many different things to figure it out on our own, but nothing works. But there is good news. Because of his love, God did not leave us in our brokenness. Jesus, God in human flesh, came to us and lived perfectly according to God's design. 
Jesus came to rescue us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took our sin and shame to the cross, paying the penalty of our sin by his death. Jesus was then raised from the dead to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a relationship with God. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 Simply hearing this good news is not enough. We must admit our sinful brokenness and stop trusting in ourselves. We don't have the power to escape this brokenness on our own. We need to be rescued. We must ask God to forgive us, turning from sin to trust only in Jesus. That is something that you can do right now, no matter where you are at or what you are going through. You can talk to him in your own words, saying something that may go like this. Father God, my life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and put my trust in you. I know that Jesus is Lord of all, and I will follow him. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When we believe, we receive new life through Jesus, and God turns our life in a new direction. We are not perfect, but we begin to discover meaning and purpose in a broken world. Even when we fail, we understand how to be restored. The same good news of Jesus. If you would like to discover more about who Jesus is, if you want to discover how to live a life with Him, then I encourage you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. at Oak Grove Baptist Church. I hope to see you there. God bless.